Welcome, everyone, to another week with your host, Mordechai Weinberger and Harav Nissen. It is a pleasure and an honor to have you with us. Looking forward to help creating a mental health awareness and some other awarenesses in the From Kehillah and with the Schuss and with Siata Deshmaya. We will be Zeicha to do that. The number to call in to ask your question or to share a comment about the mental health field is 718 683 5858. 718 683 5858. And we always have two requests. A, it should be family appropriate. I should say from family appropriate, that if your children will be listening at this hour, that you would feel comfortable. So usually say for children above the age of 7, 8. And the second request is that we don't really give parenting suggestions or advice for children under the age of 8 because most of the time they're how-to rather than creating an awareness. So I appreciate that always. So, Arav Nissen. The, um, the number to call in again is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And we've got on the line Mrs. G on the air with Mordechai and Harav Nesson. Hi. So first of all, I really want to thank you for your inspiring hotline. Thank and you. I really gained a lot of from it. My pleasure and an honor and a schuss. Okay. And second of all, I have a question that, Perfect for the start of the school year because I feel that um, I feel that a lot of people might have the question but don't have the courage to ask it. Um, sure. And third of all, it's a two-part question. Go ahead. Okay, I want to know um, what is verbal abuse like? Verbal abuse is I know it's putting down a person. And the second part of the question is how do I Respond to the verbal abuse. How do I react? Let me ask you a question in return. You said it's like the beginning of the school year. Could you tell me what these questions have to do with the beginning of the school year? Because I feel that a lot of teachers are not so equipped to deal with certain students, more like the creative, out-of-the-back type of student, and they're not like, so, so you um, feel the teachers are getting verbally abused by the students? Is that your concern? Yeah, yeah. Is that the teachers don't know how to respond to the questions or, like, let's say if they don't do well on the test, they just put them down. But um, the problem is how should, uh, how should a student react? And if it happened already, how should I relate to those guys? Oh, wow. That's a very loaded question. Because let's first start with the issue of verbal abuse. Right. Does every time someone corrects someone, is that considered a verbal abuse? Or if someone would tell someone you really, let's say they have a bad odor and someone tells them you know you have a bad odor, you need to take care of yourself, is that called verbal abuse? Or no, if someone that's... is doing a negative behavior and you're telling them, let's say you're a parent, and you're telling the kid you really got to get up in the morning and if a parent yells at a kid to get up, is that called verbal abuse? No. Okay. So can you define then what you would consider verbal abuse? What words would you say a teacher has told a student? Um, good for nothing, lazy, you're not ambitious. Good for nothing, you're lazy. Wow. Why would a teacher tell that to a student? Because maybe the teacher doesn't know what's going on in the student's mind and the student's life. Right, but in general, why would a teacher ever use those words? I don't know. Right. Well, I'll tell you. It's usually easiest if we can address an awareness, like if it's the person calling up, because generally no teacher would ever use the word, I mean, shouldn't be using the words, you're good for nothing. I can sometimes hear a teacher tell a student you're lazy, saying you're not putting enough effort in it, and sometimes they might be telling them, you know, sometimes a teacher can use a 10-minute speech to a student and tell them, you got to put in more effort. You can't, like, pay attention. You're, you're dreaming in the middle of class. You can't be going to sleep so late. Or for the test, like, you're not putting in your best effort. You're lazy. you got to do your best. That is, sometimes I can understand why a teacher would use that, but you're good for nothing and all that, usually I would have your parents get involved and the parents should get the principal involved. True, but let's see if it happened already. Let's see if it's in the past. How am I supposed to deal with it? Still, confront the teacher. Speak to the teacher. I'm I a did. huge believer in speaking. I did. And, and what happened? 
I told the teacher that um, um, maybe I didn't put enough effort, maybe I wasn't the best student, but um, whenever I think back to when she said it to me, I feel very like, like, I feel very hurt, like very shattered. Like, how and supposed and to did get she apologize it? for that? But what if she doesn't apologize? First I asked, let's see if she did. Did she apologize? Right. And second of all, let's see if Wait, let's go tells- step one. Do you realize, I mean, I'm, I'm going to sort of speak mm-hmm. to it, because like sometimes we had the, a question like an Nissen says he's on that side. I'm on that side. Right. means I'm a therapist. People many times ask me questions. People many times ask me questions that I call the impossible questions. I call them Mashiach questions. Um, I've got sometimes parents that are disappointed at me. I'm working with their adult children. The children do not give me permission to speak to the parents, and the parents sometimes lay a lot of heavy guilt on me. Why don't you speak to us? Or they question my work. And it's very clear with me and the clients what we're doing. And sometimes in the therapy process when you're working with someone, sometimes you've got to get a little bit more assertive. You've got to wake them up and tell them, you realize if you're not going to start moving, nothing will happen in your life. You might end up being a failure. And then the client comes back the next session saying, you know, I'm really hurt about what you said. And then we go, excellent. First, recognize the strengths. You started discussing the issues with us. We had to give you a push because you're too comfortable. That's our job. Our job of a therapist is not to just say, you're great, you're great. Our job is to identify weaknesses, help you identify weaknesses when you're ready, help you identify how those weaknesses are hurting your life, and be that conduit for change to be able to push and to be able to say, you can do better. Now, it hurts sometimes, but if the client will discuss it with us, I apologize many times for my actions. I really do. But the question is, are you going to allow them and give the teacher the ability to make up their mistakes? Right. Right. Now... Nissen, what do you say? Okay, so first of all, I, I just, uh, you know, unfortunately we find sometimes some peop- professional people that don't act the right way. That's and right. I, I would say, I would say, first of all, for you, take it as a compliment. I see that you are a very smart girl and very sensitive. So take it as a compliment and push it forward and you can show to everybody that you are the opposite and this is something that is not all in the education system. I would say that, I tell you, sto- I tell you something, last week we had a show with uh, Abel yeah. Moti Zeiger and he said about uh, that uh, two menalim uh, of yeshiva wanted to kick out some boy from the school and they approached one of the gdolim in Israel and he asked them, uh, do you know his name? What is name? And they say, Moshe, Moshe. No, no, he asked him again, what is name? He said, Moshe, Moshe, what? What is name? Again, repeated and repeated. And I said, no, I didn't ask him the, Mo- the Moshe, Zuchmet. I asked him what the name that you pray for him. Did wow. you try to pray for him? And I'm telling you now, young lady, young, young lady, listen to me. Pray for this teacher. What a name. Pray for her. That maybe one day she will understand what kind of damage she can do to other people. And I believe that you will be much better teacher for other teacher. I am sure so. That's right. Yes. All right. So number one is to build yourself up and know that you're good. Know that you're smart. Know that you're talented. Right. Yeah, for those that would like to call, the number is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. We are looking taking we your go to question Ms. S. and your comment. Miss S. Mrs. Ms. S., S., you're on with Mordechai and Harav Nissen. Hello? Yes, hello. Yes, hi. I wanted to find out how to handle parents that, when they don't accept if you miss like a family event, like there are a lot of family social events um, that are considered uh, not even simcha, as I'm saying, like let's say we wouldn't miss a simcha, but a lot of like before summer barbecue, after summer barbecue, Thanksgiving, Hanukkah, Yontif, galore, everything, and they just can't accept any of their children missing these events, and already the kids already have married kids of their own, and it's still expected that everyone attend. And most people are willingly going along, 
But um, if you have, let's say, one of the children, which which would be us, um, me and my husband, who are not interested in attending so many social functions. I know you mentioned for yourself that you cut back on weddings even to, you know, prioritize sleeping, let's say. But if the parents just won't accept it and, and say you're causing family problems and you have to stop it, you have to come, you know, how, how is that supposed to be handled? All right. So since we're here to create an awareness, let's start with awareness number one. There's an issue of mitzvah's kibbedava aim, correct? Right. That is step one where we need to contact the Rav regarding what are the parameters of the mitzvah of kibbedava aim. Let's okay. assume the mitzvah is that you've got to go every time. And okay. to every mitzvah, there might be exceptions when and how to do that. So you will find out when the exceptions are and how the exceptions are. And then you'll know on the level of mitzvah of what is the, what is the levels. Is that correct? Right. Is that clear for step one? Definitely. Good. Now let's go to step two. Let's say the mitzvah is that there is no mitzvah of kibbutz of the aim on that level. It might be okay. nice. You might, it, it might prevent fights, but it's not a mitzvah from the Torah. Now, let's take your question to the next level, which is what happens if you have parents that you like, but they are too involved and they haven't let go, they will have a difficulty if you're right. trying to be more of an individual and this is not just if you're married for six months where they might be doing it more out of love or out of caring. It's their way of life, of where they're meshing. So they right. are very involved in their children's lives, Baruch Hashem. There's a huge positive where they give things, they right. care, they know what's happening, they're keeping the whole family together. In those families where parents are not focusing on keeping everyone together, there's just the distance. So there's right. a big positive. On the other hand, to every positive trait, there is a negative trait. And that is sometimes it could be too much. So let's take it to you, first of all. If you're an adult, let's say you've already got married children, what's holding you back from just telling the parents, Mommy, Tati, I really appreciate it, but we will not be attending. And then that's that. What, what's the difficulty in just saying well, that? Well, so, so we have tried that. And there's a lot of, like, we're met with a lot of hostility that lasts for a certain period of time. But it's not just that. Like, literally, like the parents who otherwise would be calmish people, like will start screaming, like you can't do this, you're causing family fights. Now I don't know what the family fight is. It's on. not from Hold our hands. Let's, 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 let's pause. Let's hit pause. Let's go there. Okay. Let's do play by play. Then they start screaming. Now right. again, is where we, here's again where A, we go back. And why are you up. different? What's wrong with you? Why, why is everyone else able to come? Hold like on. That? Hold okay. on. One step at a time. Again, parents screaming. Have we right. found out? Go back when you ask the Rav the child now. Are parents allowed to scream? It means parents in their 60s, assuming right. if you've got married off kids, you're at least 40. Right. Let's make that assumption between right. 35 to 40. Parents yelling at their kids and controlling them. Is that halachically permissible for them to do that? Just curious. No, what's the halach of yelling at someone else? Especially right. if they're adults. Because there's a lot of There are a lot of gemars that say that you're not allowed to be doing that. Mm-hmm. Now, so that's on their part, where the question is if you're going to tell them what they're allowed to do. But even if, they not, even if they're not allowed to do that, what options do you have now for yourself? Which means if you have a parent that yells, are you, how are you going to react? Are you going to give in? It means let's say there's now no halachic boundaries, limits of mitzvah's kibbutz aim because you're now adults or you're not being over anything, and your parents will be upset. What are your options and what are your choices then? I guess either to, either to upset them or to give in. That's right. Now, what happens if you give in? Forget about them now. It's your family. What happens in your marriage to you and your husband? What happens to your relationship and you and your children if you feel it's best for you to be home at this time and you gave in because they are screaming, not because you feel it's the right decision to make as a wife and it's not the right decision to make as a daughter, but you're being bullied. Are you doing it because you feel it's the right decision as a daughter? Or no, 100% not. It? It's not to upset the parents. That's right. So, no, no, don't use the words not upset the parents. Let's, no, you see, now you've put, put the focus on the parents. Let's shift it to you. You're afraid to have people yelling at you. Right. Because parents, mitzvah's kibbutz aim, if the Rav tells you there's no mitzvah's kibbutz aim, what's the fear? Identify the fear. Don't shift it onto them that they're demanding. Shift it onto yourself. You're afraid of them yelling at you. Right. No. Do you see I agree. Right. I know, right. I would be afraid of them yelling at me. And acting hostile right. for a while. That's right. So now let's recognize. So you, and again, all this has to be worked out with the Rav, because just to be aware, 
that when I spoke several times to the Rabbanim from that I've heard, we are over more alavim in the Torah by going to the parents sometimes and talking behind their back or over Lashon Hara and every word. So many other alavim of, of we're upset. Huge amount of alavim if you go and you're angry and you're hurting your family. Huge amount rather than if you don't go where they're upset and they've got their issues, but now you're not talking bad about them because you're able to live your life. You're right. doing your job as a wife. You're doing your job as a mother. You're doing your job as yourself. So you need to actually work out with the Rav which, what's more correct al and which isn't. Now there's, of course, the emotional area, and of course there's a part where respecting your parents, having a healthy connection, and going sometimes. The point is that as you get married and as you become an adult, there's a times you need to say no, and we have that all the time in the Torah, where if a parent chasram tells us to be machal shavas, we know that's we have kabbalas of yichav and then we have right after it the parsha of 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 shavas, and Rashi tells us clearly brings on the Gemara that since the parents are also mechuyev, and I'm not here to tell you Allah, so I'm here to tell you you need mm-hmm. to speak because each and every case is different. So to create the awareness, your issue is you're an adult, mm-hmm. and you're still haven't been able to sort of marry your husband, that you two are now king and queens of your own castle, instead of being, you're still, let's say, the, in, like the United Nations, you're an ambassador in another country, right. and in your little house, you're in charge. But the minute you step foot out of your embassy, you're right in foreign territory. You haven't yet created... So I did try to tell them that, like, we're old enough to make our decisions and what we're attending and not attending, but it's well, just not, that doesn't get accepted. They get away with yelling, but if they can yell and you go right back into the old role, I, I, I understand mm-hmm. them. Hey, I just give a little shout, and right away everyone comes doing exactly what I want. Why would I give up that power? I'm saying I wouldn't want that power, but I can understand someone that does that. Right, right. So you yell. Okay, so meaning stay firm. They, mm-hmm. Right. So really what's needed is, A, for you and your husband to go to a Rav, an incompetent Rav that has experience, to first mm-hmm. educate you what's the halachas a kibbut of aim. Once you understand okay. now that you're not hiding behind the Torah and you're actually needing to say, I have a problem. We're married for so many years and I still can't put my husband first or me and my husband are still afraid of my in-laws. You might either learn to accept it and say, you know what, we're just weak, so we'll give in all those times, and we'll just enjoy the free suppers that we get and enjoy the family. Right. Or you'll be able to set the boundaries and say sometimes yes, sometimes no. When they're angry, you're comfortable just not speaking to them. If they pick up, you go, Ma, what type of conversation is it going to be? And right. then, you know, okay, we'll speak later or in three weeks from now or six months from now. I'm saying there's a lot of options out there. The first change has but to But I happen. could say to them, if you're going to treat us like this, then we can't talk to you now. No, like no, no. Don't try. No, you see, now you're trying to turn this little program into an, actually a solution. Don't turn this into mm-hmm. a solution. I, I want to create the awareness. Create the awareness is that if you've been this afraid for so many years of your married life, a minimum 20 years, don't expect to have one answer because they know in the past they would yell at you. Mm-hmm. Or you know, right. manipulate the family to tell you how bad you are and how you're hurting right. mommy and tati, and you might be giving them a heart attack. Then you've right. given in. You've capitulated all the years. Don't assume that this little conversation that we're having now will now change your whole life. Fix the it, mm-hmm. it will give you an awareness that a you there's a lot of guilt of what the Torah says, which you need to right. clarify that with the rub. You'll be surprised how usually those manipulators. Are not are going to use the tire of the psukim or different ones there, and you need to find out for yourself what the guidelines are. Second level is once you realize that wow, I was always doing it because I was afraid, and in Shemayim something bad might happen. And many times you'll even remember a story or two that you were assertive, but you didn't allow yourself to be pushed, and something bad happened. So, so all those people know exactly what Hashem does and why Hashem does it. You might even hear the other mitzvah not to go or to those some of those parties. Right. Once you got there, so now you're going to have to start working on your inner fear. Okay. Thank you. All right. So you really got a lot of work ahead of you because it's, it's complicated. It gets very difficult. One thing I will tell you is, if you'd like, I have on my phone line a couple of programs, Shiram. Hello? Okay. Okay. In Section 1, the number is 718-298-2011. So there is a program in Section 1 called Codependence. There is also another, that's in Section 9, that's, sorry, that is program number 9. But then there is a much better one that I feel is very important, and that's Knowing Your Rights, program number 53. 
means you're allowed to say no, you're allowed to make mistakes, you're allowed to be your own person, you're allowed to have a conversation with someone, you're allowed to say no and not get yelled at, you're allowed to tell a person we need to set up boundaries, you're allowed to be a child, you're allowed to be a wife, you're allowed to be a parent, and, and make mistakes and say, now this doesn't work for me, even if it works for everyone else. In fact, right. not only are you allowed to, but it's important to learn those, because otherwise, how are you going to teach it to your children, the boundaries, if right. you can to do that? Mm-hmm. Now, Harav Nissen, I want to hear what you have to say. You know, we, we had, uh, I think, uh, two weeks ago, uh, all program, oh, all program yeah. about it, and there's some kind of the parents manipulate to the other side and give the guilt. I think that first of all, the Torah is obligate you as a couple. And yeah. this is from the, the, the Torah. It's, it's a very well-known, unfortunately, uh, issue that uh, parents trying to get in the fear. And as, as the Rabbi uh, Mordechai said, uh, we have to be strong and learn how to, to behave on this issue because it can ruin a lot, a lot of uh, good couples you know especially in the first years and i i understand in your case it's not the first years but uh it's kind of ruin a lot they could create a lot of tension between the couples even between the children the grandchildren can be create oh it's starting with why don't come and how you teach them how to to respect us all this kind of stuff nonsense just to create some kind of guilt uh, on on you on your side so this is something that you have really to uh, to work about it and try to try to to work and find the right way to put them on the. Uh, uh, you cannot somehow you can you cannot change nobody except yourself. That's what what I believe. That try to to work upon it and that they realize that uh, you you are independent unit and you have your life your own life and you have to do what is good for you and your family. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. So I want you to know it's an important question. We have that a lot now. And with Siata Deshmaya, you will see big changes once you start getting educated, start asking, speak to the Rav. Very important to work along those lines. The number to to call up for your question or your comment is 718-683-5858-618-683-5858. We go to Mrs. S. Mrs. S. We're on with Mordechai and Harav Nissen. Yeah, hello. I'd yes, like hello. to know um, if you consider something a sensory issue, are you, would you be able to see if it's worth like, looking at it? Well, you're asking, I just understand the question, if you would tell me something, would I know if it's a sensory issue or not? Yeah. Oh, no, we can never know that until we do a full evaluation, just to be clear. There could be so many other issues when something's here. It might sound like it, but that's why you go to professional to evaluate. So it's impossible to just evaluate mm-hmm. if someone else saying what they think without getting the history, without finding a lot of different areas. Right. I just want you to understand, okay, there's, to give a diagnosis is very complicated. There could be several different issues. Is there any point in diagnosing an adult with sensory issues? Well, you know, just give a second. The number that we'd like for people to call in is 718-683-5858. 718 683 Yes. Can, for the, the uh, listeners like me that don't know these terms, can you explain the terms? Sure. Let's explain what the terms are, and then we'll explain what adult um, sensory issues can look like, and then we'll get an idea what's happening. Sensory issue is an interesting concept because people are saying it's nothing, it's just it's one of these made-up psychological stuff, but it's really not. In fact, it's not even a psychological disorder. It is a physical disorder, and I'll explain what it is. Sensory issues are, let's first take it to children, then we'll take it to adults. Those are people, let's take it to kids, that, uh, let's give a hakdama. We all have in our brain a certain balancer means if we wear our shirts, we wear our clothing, it feels comfortable. What happens, Rav Nissen, if you wear a shirt that's a size too tight, and, you know, when you sit down, those shirts are ready to bust, and you could barely close the buttons, how do you feel when you walk around? And you've got to stretch your hands, and the <laughs> sleeves are so tight. How do yeah, you feel? I feel like I left the gym. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So you feel, you feel trapped. 
people that have sensory issues means that there are the five senses, the sight, smell, touch, taste, hearing, that the sensory issues, the sensory part of the brain that feels and senses is a drop-off. Means when many times these kids, when they can wear their clothing, they feel if someone has too, too, sensitive, too sensitive, means it's on a high radar, then they feel, oh, these, feel, these clothing are too tight. I need to take it off. They need to open up their shirts. These are kids, when they come home, they right away want to take off their shirts. They need baggy clothing because they feel too tight. They, they, that's one level. Another type of people that have physical sensory issues is they're touching everything. So let's say they don't have such a high sensory. They could fight or they could hit someone and not feel enough. These kids could need a lot of touch. They could need a lot of hugging, where sometimes I have mothers tell me their 13 or their 15-year-old son wants, like, a three-minute hug. They said, like, they don't mind giving a hug to their kids, but it's just too much, like, the kid is so needy. And many times they could be touching things that's already not age-appropriate. So you don't have a 14-year-old playing with water and sticking their hands in a, pile, in a pile of water. Now, we might like to go swimming. So these are just some of the examples of sensory issues. Then you could have those that are sensory, too sensitive to taste. That also, they're very picky eaters. So you could have an adult that will tell the wife, it's so salty, and everyone's tasting it and saying it's really good. And then they get married, and they go, this is a horrible husband. He doesn't have to speak to his wife. But what's happening is they could have a sensory issue where they taste their food, their senses are so heightened that to them it was like, we, like someone pours in an entire, an entire bottle of salt and they're tasting it so slight. Well, the other way around, I knew an adult, this guy's in his late 40s, he, him and his wife, like, it's sort of, he feels like they can't sleep away. He must have his bed because he cannot sleep on a mattress that's not like his mattress, his clothing. It's like hard for him to wear like, tight clothing. He always has to have things a little bit loose. He said, smell. He goes to a place, and if he could, he could smell if someone smoked in the car within a week, and it disturbs him. So sensory issues are children, which many times they think that they're ADHD because they're bouncing, they're jumping around, and they feel affected by that. So it, sometimes it can look like that. Many times they can fight with friends because they don't mean to fight. They feel connected when they have touch because they feel a distance. So this is sensory, and they have it many times with auditory, with hearing. It's not that they have a problem hearing. It's that it's a certain way, the way they're processing. Again, the number for people to call up is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. We want to hear your question and your comment. So it takes, and happens to be the therapy for sensory is an occupational therapist. That's physical touch. They have them, like, there are a lot of exercises. They have them, like, rolling on the big balls. And when their senses, like, they get sort of like that massage of senses, like they get that need of touch, then all of a sudden they feel better. I know someone that the kid was sort of adopted, a six-year-old kid, and was so wild. And they wanted to say the kid has ADHD, and I told the parent, no, 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 just hug the kid when they come home from school. Just hug them. He says, oh, this kid needs hug. And the kid could be hugged for about five minutes, and after the five minutes, it's like that bank account, that emotional, that touch bank account filled up, and then they're calm and great kids. So let's understand that children, we are created to need senses. Kids love to be touched. Kids love to be hugged. Kids love to be played with, and they need it. Kids love to touch the water, sand, dirt, mud. That's healthy. It's soothing. It's helping the brain process. And if they don't have it enough, sometimes it can affect them when they're older. So let's understand, sensory are, there's a process that as we get older, that the brain needs less sensory or different senses, and these people are still stuck at a certain level, and there are brushing exercises, there's like rolling on the bowl, on, on, on the bowl, they have weighted blankets for them, some of them that don't have a strong sense, so their sensory is weak, they don't, they don't like they want to feel covered, imagine like, you know, I know I have that. They're like, I need to be covered with a blanket. And sometimes you need just a sheet, but you need that cover. Imagine these people don't feel they're ever getting covered. So they have weighted blankets, which has a touch of weight to them. But once it's pressing that little bit more on their body, they feel it. Ah, now they could sleep. So that's sensory. Can I ask you about different type of sensory issue? 
maybe it's I don't know if, I don't know if it's sensory. Like when when a person, the adult, is um, the hands are wet and he doesn't have a towel to wipe his hands, they can't they can't let go. They just have to if if it like they feel difference in their wet hands for the next 20 minutes. If not, they have to rewash their hands if they don't find a towel until they feel like comfortable enough with um, their hands. That could be sensory. That could also be OCD. That's what I'm saying. You uh-huh. And also, um, like, and along that line, yeah, I wonder if it's the same thing because that person can't touch the feeding of a like a velvet baby or a baby can't hold a baby which is wearing a a velour like anything furry and velvet suede and all, like, you know that those soft textures they can't take the feel. Yeah, each this could be a sensory issue. Could be a lot of other stuff going on. That's we need a full evaluation. How long right. is this going on? How many, is it just to one area, is it to many areas? What happens when they do it? Is it affecting their way of living? Is it many places? Are they able, when they touch it, what do they feel? Is it a thought? Is it physical? It needs a complete evaluation. And the, the fact that people, like, can't take, like, chewing silver or those things, that's not called sensory. That's just basic. I mean, most Wait, people can't that do that, right? About people chewing what? Silver foil. Uh, silver foil, I think if I ever try that, I still remember that metallic taste of that silver. I don't know if I can ever choose silver foil. Yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not part of the sensory type of thing. I right. think most people I just want are to know, like, how far the, you know, where the, where the fine line is between normal well, and sensory. So, right. Yeah, okay. Thank you very much for your yeah, answer. Excellent. Thanks. All right, yeah, the number to call up is 718-683-5858, and we're looking forward to some questions or comments. Go ahead, we've got now the availability. If you're listening, 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And the text number is 347-927-8398. Three four seven nine two seven eight three nine eight. It seems everybody is now in this. Yeah, we'll take a text until we get some of the callers to call in. And yep, so we'd prefer, of course, the calling in. Go ahead, call up seven one eight six eight three fifty eight fifty eight seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight. Mordechai, a small tips now for the parents that are taking their the children now to the basically the first day in school tomorrow, the afternoon tomorrow, and you know, coming from a, a long summer, and the kids are just uh, as to be adjust. Small tips. Well, let's first understand the first thing is kids are used to free, jumping around, going everywhere, and let's understand and recognize that. They're going to school. The younger kids still think it's great, but as they get older, they're realizing, oy vey, it's terrible. We have to homework, school, tests. These things are, are expected of us. It's normal for your kids not to want to go. It's normal. But here's where I'd like to give us, the parents, some power. It was interesting because it was many years ago that I was in Eretzisrael at a certain family when I was learning there. And it was interesting. It was the first day of school. It was like two days before the first day of school. And all the kids were just so normal. And I'm going, what's happening to all the whining and the crying and the kvetching and all that? And I was talking to the parents about it. And they told me, oh, what do you mean? It's just very simple. But yes, everyone goes. There's no question about it. The kids say they don't like this teacher or that teacher. Okay, we'll get through it. But it's the parents that have that inner confidence, that inner ease just to say, we're going. This is what we do. It's no big turmoil. It's no big traumas. It's just we're going, to, we go to sleep early, tomorrow is school, back to structure. You were in structure in day camp, you went. You were in structure in camp, you're going to school. It's harder. Yeah. And the parents have a lot of power to that. And we've had that over and over in our programs where we've had last week people calling up saying, as long as the parent was calm or the parent got along with the teacher, even though other kids didn't, this one worked out. Us, the parents, have a lot of power. So the focus that I would like us to have is, A, if your kid's not going to like, they want to complain, just tell them it's normal, it's okay, give it two or three weeks. I've got a client that's telling me that starting now another therapist while going to us different. I said, give it two weeks. But in two weeks, it wouldn't be a problem anymore. I go, that's the point. So relax. 
Understand that the concern now is you tell the kids you don't like it, we give it two weeks. We know they changed your class. It's okay. Give it two weeks. You might even see how many times we see that things adjust even better when we let go of our control or of controlling the Rabbi Shalom. So that is one bit of advice, which is do it normal. Don't make a big deal out of it. Don't make a big deal. Oh, it's so hard. No, it's so simple. Everyone's got their job. Everyone goes. It's okay. Any difficulties that they'll have, we'll write it down. We'll deal with it. Give it two weeks for you to adjust. After we adjust, then we'll see if it's still a problem. We'll deal with it. Harv what suggestions do you have? I, I think that, uh, you know, just uh, my suggestion is not so important, but <laughs> I would say that give, give, give a chance to anyone. You know, the kids can come from school and he said, oh, the, te- as the teacher is mean, what it is. Give a chance, give a credit to the teachers, give a credit and give a patient and don't don't talk bad about the teachers. Very important that create a confidence in, your, in the teachers and the kids and uh, try to build the the inner kid that you will respect the teacher and this will be you know nice from uh, from both sides. And the teacher, the, the exactly the opposite, the teacher to try to give a, a respect and give your kids credit, even if you don't like his parents, this is very important also. Okay, we'll go, we'll go to Miss B, okay? Okay, let's go to Miss B. You're on with Mordechai Nerv Nissen. Miss B? Hello? Yes. Yes, Tanya, my question is that um, whenever I make a decision, I'm never confident with this. Okay, good. Uh, I mean, that's a statement. What's your question? So my question is, if you could give me some tools how to to be confident with it, whatever I do, it should be the right, I should feel that I do the right thing. Ah. Do you know what it takes to be confident? What would you say is some of the foundations to be confident? What do you say? What do you think are the yesoidists for confidence? One minute, the connection is not good. One minute. Okay. Hello? Yeah. Yes. Yes. So what would you say is a, is a prerequisite, is a need to have to be confident in your decisions? It's a question. I don't know. Take a guess. What do you think it takes? How do you think someone is confident in making decisions? Do you think if someone makes a decision, they never have doubt? Harav Nissen, you, you run many programs here. Do you ever have doubt? Let's go with the assumption that he has doubts. What would you say? How do you think someone makes decisions? Uh, you think mm-hmm. you, one second. I just uh, had the phone. Uh, so uh, uh, definitely that every time that you make a decision, you have to check left and right. And, but in, in, the, in the end, I make decisions that uh, I'm trying to, to be connected myself, myself with a with a, with a with a with a olam and uh, trying to do the best what what is what what is seems like and sometimes even ask a rabbi it depends what what is all about and it really depends what was it all about if it's a, in a in a professional uh, job so this is i'm going to consult uh, other other friends that has a idea on the structure for example construction so i just go and open the books, open the computer, open the, they call my friends, if, I, if I'm not so sure. But if I'm sure, yes, definitely, I just uh, go ahead and make the decision. Right, so let me ask you, so why do you have doubts? If Arav Nissen just explained to us that everyone's got doubts and everyone sort of, there's a system on how to come at ease. Why do you think you have difficulties making decisions? Because I, I make a decision, but when I do it, afterwards, like I always think, like, maybe I have to do the... The other decision, I'm never, like, confident, like, calm that whatever I chose. I'm always, like, maybe I didn't do the right thing. I don't know. I'm never. That's right. So now what skill is needed? So let's for some sense. Listen, is that a normal thing to have? Uh, normal, but you have, you have to, uh, and again, I know that uh, it's, it's, it's normal in, in a certain age. Then later you have to get over and uh, just make the, the, don't look back. You know, I would say I, I always learn from the, the Torah about Eshet Lot, Eshet Lot, when she yeah. looked back, she, what happened, she became to a stone, a salty, bitter yeah. stone. So I don't look back. Even if, if, I, if I knew that I did something wrong, I look forward and I learn from my mistake and continue. 
is not such a thing, the, a mistake, you know, that you did it on purpose or something. It's, it's, not, it's not such a thing, you know. And you look that it's sometimes it's Bashar, the Kadosh Baruch Hu has put you on a trial and you want me, you to make a mistake. Want you to go to fail on this issue that you learn another, 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 uh, I would say, lesson to, to bring yourself up. Don't look backwards and say, oh, oh, I could do this and I could do this. You would never get out on this. And what is bring you to create, to, you basically become a stone and bitter. Try right, to look so, forward. Right, so let's go ahead and take this to you now. So Rav Nissen found a way how he's getting at ease. What's holding you back from finding peace when you've made a decision? Which means it's normal to have doubt. It's part of how the world goes. So what's holding you back from being at ease? What's the messages that you hear in your voice? That I want to be... I want, it's not like I don't have, I have a decision, but it's like... I can't enjoy even the thing that I chose because I'm like always, I don't know, I've never... Notice, so again, you're repeating yourself. You're repeating that you're not confident with yourself. Now, when you start doing therapy, we teach you how to close your eyes a second. And what's the voice in the background? Whose voice do you hear telling you you should do better or you could do better? Nobody's Whose telling voice is this. that? What? Nobody is telling me this, like that. Okay, I well could then, do better. Stop a second. Well, someone is, because normally, let me, do you have any small children? Do you know any two-year-olds, three-year-olds, four-year-olds? Yeah? Do you know anyone? Do you have a nephews, nieces, or your own children about the yes, ages of yes. three, four, five? Yeah? Do you ever see them doubting themselves when they're touching mud and they want to eat it? Do you ever see them go, oh, I shouldn't have done that, or they just do it again and again, or if they don't like it, they stop? They keep on doing the same thing. That's right. And they smile from ear to ear. They just got their clothing all filthy, and they are thrilled. So let's understand, right. naturally, we were born in a position where we don't doubt ourselves. What happens is as our brain starts getting older and as we start getting more aware of things, certain information or certain pains that we went through, we go, oh, I don't want to get that pain. And then we learn how to start holding ourselves back from living life rather than the child position of where we were excited and where we love to take risks and we love to be different and we love to be dirty and we love to experience. So therefore, in therapy, if you ever choose to do that, you will have to start digging in and recognizing what's holding you back. What are the voices in your head? Let's say you made the wrong choice. Who cares? You're always going to notice when you close your eyes and you're tuning in, someone's voice over there is driving you nuts. Someone's saying you should have done better. You see you made a mistake and someone was more successful. Or you're a failure because you didn't do well enough. Or now you lost your friends because you didn't do exactly what they did. Or now if people know you made a mistake, they won't value you. There are so many. This is actually what we deal with our center all day. We deal with the anxiety, with the fears, the doubts, that this is what we do, but we only take clients that are able to tune in and able to start hearing the inner dialogue, that inner voice. And if people sometimes tell me, why do you have to talk about your past? The answer is because that's where you learned these programs. And once you learn the programs, you're just on that repeat mode. So we don't live in the past. We also deal with the present and future, but we still have to acknowledge why is your brain doing that. That program is a good friend. That program that's giving you doubt is telling you not to hurt yourself. Does that make sense okay. to you a little now? Yes, maybe. I'll think. Good. So if you can realize, is your family, when you're growing, or your parents, or your brothers and sisters, are they, it's good to make mistakes. You're an individual. It's excellent. Or is it, Oive, you made a mistake. We hope no one sees. Oive, you made a mistake. You're different. It's not good. Or, or if, People don't like it. Oh, it's so bad that people don't like it. Are you willing to do things that you feel comfortable with and you're happy with? Is that the message or is the message, is it a harm reduction living where we want to have less harm? Or is it an invigoration life living where I want to be more positive, I want to be an individual? So if we look at babies, babies live an individual because they don't have yet the awareness. And unfortunately, when we get smarter and wiser, instead of using it for the positive of growing, sometimes we take it onto that negative where we hold ourselves back and now we don't trust ourselves. Now it takes time to grow. 
Make sense? Yes. Now, what would you say you're getting from this information? That I have to think, like, who's the cause that makes me with low confidence with a... Okay, I'm glad you repeated those words, because thank you. Absolutely not. We're not looking at who's the cause. There is no cause. You might have another sister that's very confident that grew up in the same household. There's no cause. We shift it back to you. You've chosen to learn a program. You've chosen to be at a certain time. Certain things were happening at the family. So those are the messages that you heard. It's not the cause. We're not blaming anyone. We're just identifying that there are certain emotions or certain thoughts that you chose to accept because you'll have, and we always say that we've got sometimes twins that would come to the center. And you see how different they are based on their nature born at the same time, based on their biology as well. So the point is not where it came from. The point is to acknowledge this is why I learned this program. I understand now why I have doubts. And now we can start going, okay, so what programs do I need to learn to be at ease? And part of it is that I'm allowed to be okay. Part of that is learning, taking it to the end. What's the worst thing that will happen if I make mistakes and no one likes me? Oh, I won't have any friends. Good. Can you try to be yourself for a day or two? Don't talk to anyone. And see, oh, it's so comfortable to be alone. Now I'm not afraid to be different. And then you'll see how many more people like you. So what we do in therapy is we have you tune in to some of the inner messages, not to blame where it came from, but to identify where it came from, to understand. I didn't mean to, now to see who to blame, but I want, like, now I see that it's, uh, it's coming from somewhere, and then now I'm going to work on it. That's right. And when you go to a therapist that's trained, they will understand many more points that's going on to help you realize what is happening for that to happen. So okay, thank you very much. Yes, yeah. so I want you to know that naturally the Rabbi Shalom has given all of us the ability to feel confident, and naturally the Rabbi Shalom has given us the ability to be aware, to have a radar, and to have doubts. That's what adults are different than babies. Babies are able to do things that are just not appropriate in public, and they're able to cry and scream no matter where they are, and that's why as adults we have the ability not to do that because we can feel and think for another. But we have to have the balance where we don't get stuck in one program over the other. Yes, okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's a great awareness program. I will also tell you one thing that, Merit Hashem, after Sukkot, I'd like to do the workshop. It, I used to call it anxiety to serenity, but people were telling me it was such a great workshop. It has nothing to do with anxiety. It just has to do with stress, like making decisions, how to be at ease. And the real point of the program is now that we're calling it from stress to a deep inner peace. How to be relaxed when you make decisions, when you move on. Please don't call the office for any information. Well, I'll share it over here with Rav Nissen on the program, after Sukkot. But just to be aware that there's a simple process, the way the mind works, being relaxed, being at ease, to have peace and serenity in ourselves. And this is with Siat Hashemai, we'll be able to do that program. Mordechai, Rav Nissen, yeah. yeah. Do you want to, to the, I know the text got to come from Israel and... Uh... Oh, that it's was from Israel? I yeah, saw the big message. Okay, it's, it's so, very, okay, I got yeah, it. Just, so let's go ahead and address that one. Okay. I have a good relationship with my from therapist. Last week I found out that she does something that is not totally against the halacha, but it's against the principles that I grew up with. This really confuses me. I'm wondering, can I still accept from her, although we have such a difference in our hashkafa outlook? Please answer as soon as possible. It's 4 a.m. Please answer. So first of all, thank you for being up in our Yisrael time, 4 a.m. at this time. And Rav Nissen, before I deal with it, I'd like to hear, what's your thoughts on the matter? You know, so you, uh, you, don't, you don't have, you know, if, as long as you get from her, it's so many, so many doctors that not Jewish, and so many professionals that's not exactly your cup of tea, but you using uh, them as a professional. It's nothing to do with Ashkafa, Lachai. Yes, it's very important. Watch her life, it's her life. The question, if she advise or er, or he advise you to do uh, something against the halacha, this is something else. This is you have to consult the rabbi. But uh, if if it's if it's her life and is or his life, let them do whatever what they want, whatever they want to do it. I don't see exactly. any any uh, conflict in this issue. Right. So let me share with you that this issue that you have is why there's a concept in therapy 
that is called tabula rasa. It's an Italian word or Latin, and it means that a therapist is supposed to be a clean slate. And that was one of the, when they started psychology, Freud, that was his big issue, that you should not know nothing of the therapist. The therapist, almost every room of the therapist, like every therapist's room should look the same. There should be no family pictures. Why? Because let's say someone is divorced, and then the client comes, they have marital issues. Oh, the therapist might want me to divorce. Or let's say the, client, the therapist doesn't have children. How can I discuss uh, parenting issues? They don't have children. But they're skilled. It's like the heart surgeon. Does it matter if the heart surgeon's heart is really working that well? They have the knowledge. They have the skill. So this is step one. The issue is the family, the theories that do not let you know much or anything about the therapist is specifically for that reason, because now the client will feel uncomfortable. Step one. Now let's go to the other side. On the other hand, we still have to realize that the therapist is meant to be professional, meaning does a therapist have to be a divorced, a yasum, an, a second marriage, an alman, adopted, abused, physically, emotionally, been the lowest, worst person ever gone through everything, had the addiction, had lost family members to be able to actually work on the person? No. There's a skills base that therapy that we learn that we can help. The most important step that they teach us, and that's over and over statistics show, that's not as important, not, it's not, not that it's not important, it's not as important as to how skilled the therapist is as much as they can connect with you. So if you've got a therapist that you're able to connect to and you're able to heal and grow dealing with your issues, that is what is important. Now, your therapist should not be discussing hashkafa with you and it should really be going through your rav. So therefore, what that means is, if there's no hashkafa being brought in, it's your issues that you're identifying and dealing with yourself, and so what's the difference what the therapist does? As Rav Nissen said, there are some therapists that are specialists in certain areas, like let's take OCD. Therapists, some, some therapists that are major psychiatrists, doctors, they're not Jewish at all, but they're able to identify a disorder, they have the skills and the tools to help us, and that's what they do. So in those cases, you want to make sure that they will not mix in their hashkafa or hashashal and put in things that are anti-Tayra. But hashkafa should generally not be an issue that is discussed in a therapy process. If it is, then you usually want that Rav or Rebetzin giving a little guidance, getting the okay. Okay. All right. Uh, we, we have a few minutes. Uh, so we have another caller, Mrs. S., okay? Mrs. S., today is basically Mrs. Yes. S. day. I think we've had all Mrs. S.'s besides for one Mrs. B. <laughs> yeah. Mrs. S., Hi. you're on with Mordechai and Harav Nissen. Hi, how are you? Baruch Hashem, fantastic. Great. Um, first of all, thanks for your program. I really enjoy it. Um, I had a question. I guess um, I'll give you a little bit of background first and then explain Go the ahead. question. I'll tell you. I usually like it the other way. It's easier for me. Could you tell me the question oh, then give me the sure, background? No sure. Uh, my question is, how do I deal with somebody who refuses to talk to me? Okay, good. Now you can give us background information. Okay, so um, I'm struggling. Um, okay, I'll just say it. I'm struggling with infertility for a number of years. And um, I have a pretty good relationship with everyone in my family, even the siblings who got married after me and already have, um, you know, their own families. Um, there's just one, like, one sibling of mine that will refuse to talk to me. And there was, there was this story that happened that made her refuse to talk to me was that um, I, somebody had made a really nasty comment, and I said to her, I said, you know, that was really not nice. That really hurt me. So she apologized, and we made up, and I said I understood that she didn't really mean to hurt me. I just wanted her to be aware that that's hurtful. And that was that, or so I thought. Meanwhile, what happened was that she felt really bad and went to tell the other sister that, oh, I made this comment, I feel so bad. So now she says to me, I can't talk to you anymore because I, I can't be careful what I speak, and I don't want to have to watch what I say, so I want to be able to say whatever I say, and I don't want to have to think that you might get hurt. So I'm not going to talk to you anymore. And then she just hung up and will not talk to me anymore. Okay. So what's your question? 
So my question is, how do I deal with them? We go to family simchas. I meet her all the time. I mean, she's my sibling. I would love to talk to her. Should I just ignore her? You don't want to talk to me? I'm just not talking to you? Let's go ahead and take it to you. What options do you have? Well, I tried calling her to try to explain to her. Okay, that didn't work. But that didn't option? work because she doesn't want right. to talk to me. She doesn't want to mm-hmm. discuss it. She doesn't want to have to watch what she says, which, okay, I mean, no one else seems to be having this issue. So, I, you know, I was thinking maybe I wasn't too sensitive. Maybe I should be careful. But then I was thinking that if nobody else has this issue, why is it only with one person? Mm-hmm. And does that person have issues with other people? So, yes, yeah, she, I mean, she's constantly, before that, she was complaining. Her neighbor said this. Um, her sister-in-law said that. Um, I don't know, you know, if it went that extreme that she doesn't talk to them because, like, I didn't really discuss it with her. I mean, your neighbor said this. I'm so sorry for you. I feel bad you're hurt. But, like, okay, have a nice life. Like, I don't know what she chose to do about that. Like, that okay, she, let's go she to you. Was, so you've got, let, let's take it to you. Let's take it to you. Do you I, I want to first clarify that I really understand the major pain that you're in. It means to have a brother or a sister not talking to you, or like sometimes there are parents that don't speak to children. It's torture. It's torture. But let's take it now because it's the same fundamental process that we use if you have a best friend that stopped talking to you, if there are issues in the marriage, sometimes when a husband and a wife won't talk, if you are stuck, if you're stuck in the them and you don't have any other places where you branched out, then you're always focusing on them. Let me share with you a concept. I've once had a client, he permits me to just share the story, not him, but I don't know if you know, but in a lot of the South American countries, there are small countries which can have a million people. It means Brooklyn has got like six million people, I think, living there. So imagine a country a sixth the size of Brooklyn. All right? Now, for whatever happened, the person can't go back to that country. He is not allowed to be there. And he tells me the stress on his mind that there is one place in the entire world that he can't grow, that he's not allowed to go, is affecting him, is stressing him out. Now, you and I both don't feel any of that stress because we know we can go anywhere. Mm-hmm. So just knowing that, we can't, that someone can't go is already a trap means that by you knowing there's someone that doesn't talk to you, automatically your mind focuses to the problem. Someone doesn't speak to me. And the process that we learn in therapy is how to look at, but there are millions or let's say thousands of countries where you can go to where you're still accepted or hundreds of countries and you focus on the positive and not on the negative. Mm-hmm. So yes, there are families, Simchus. Yes, there is a sister or brother that doesn't want to speak to you. That is true. But how many siblings do speak to you? How many times do you have a good time? Who can you sit with at the wedding or at Simchus and start focusing on what you do have? So this mm-hmm. trap that we try to help clients get out of is don't focus on the one that you can't means there are things out of our hand. There are certain family members that have emotional issues. And yes, you try to make shalom and you might try to do different stuff, but part of you can't be focused on that only because if you're focused on what you don't have and where you can't go to, you'll it'll only expand the thought. That's the whole theory. There's a, a, a major theory that's built a process which is called positive psychology, which is we don't, the therapist, and a large part in our sessions that we don't focus on the problem because the more you focus on the problem, the more you'll see the problem. We focus more on the positives. What has grown in therapy? Where are you going to? What have you improved so far? And we will also look at the negative because we want to get you to the positive. How is your future looking now? So positive psychology is using the concept of the more you focus on something, the more you will have it. If we just talk about pains and problems, unfortunately, the more you're going to notice it, the more you're going to bring up in therapy. If you focus more on the positive or what's going right and how things are getting better, you're going to notice more of that while there are problems, because, of course, there are always problems. Right. Right, now, right. it's a lot easier said than done. This can sometimes take months to years of therapy once a week to get there, but it's very possible and more than possible. It's very likely to get there if you continue the process. Let's see after this. I guess he also put a doubt in me that I'm 
That's right. Really it's all part of what the therapy process is. The doubts, the voices that you hear in you that she did, and you start learning how to have those and move on and to hear your positive voices saying, but I've got this and I've got that and I'm a good friend and I have all that. That's right. This is classic part of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that, that's a regular Mr. part of breaking off. It's for me to start feeling all that like doubt of maybe she's right. Right. Mm-hmm. What do you say, Rav Nissen? I tell you, I wasn't so, but I think it seems like a manipulative personality, and uh, I would say build yourself. Yeah, basically, she said she has a sibling that doesn't speak to her. She tried to, she tried to call her up several times to make peace, and the sibling says, whenever I talk to you, I'm always having doubts. You're always putting me down, and this client doesn't, this person doesn't feel they do any of that. So they feel when they go to Simcha, so they No, they she wasn't saying that I put her so. down. She was saying that because I don't have children yet, she is afraid to talk to me because she's afraid that she will hurt me. I think that, uh, I, I don't know, it's uh, something that, uh, keep, keep going. Let the water running and build yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I don't see it's any nonsense. Something she carry and uh, she... I mean, there's a lot of other siblings who do like to talk to me, and, you know, we still have the same close relationship. Even the younger siblings who got married after me and have their families who would, it would make more sense that they should feel more awkward. Uh, Either way, that that reason of because you don't have children, I mean, that's just part of life. Every family's got something. Everyone's got a strength that the other one doesn't have. That's just normal how it goes. And yeah, I think that, uh, you know, uh, every family has its own uh, issue and just keep going, so keep going. So she Build. doesn't want to face that issue, so she'd rather just not talk to me. Yeah, you know what? Pray for her. Pray for her. I, that's my, my solution. Pray for her. And believe me, you will answer and they will have children and grandchildren, Bezal Hashem, soon. And uh, everything will be okay. Great, thank you so much. No problem. Amen. Okay. Thank uh, you. Mordechai, yeah. I know that we have to run. I have to go to yeah. a wedding. And I just, you know, before we're going, I know that we have... You want to answer about this question about the, the uh, you know, ethic uh, with the therapist very quickly? I'll just put it like this. Someone sent us a question from Israel that if, if are they allowed to get a hug from their therapist where they feel that they never got a hug from their parents? And the answer is that this is highly, highly controversial. It means in the Goyish world, you're allowed to, you meet someone, you give a hug, you can give a little hug, but it's an appropriate thrust, a hello, a shaking the hands. When someone starts saying they're missing love and they need hugs, that is not really appropriate, very not, and it goes to, it can broaden, it can breach many, many, many boundaries that's out there. So to be aware that this is a major no-no on the professional level, and if it's needed, there are the medical doctors are around. There's a lot that can happen if it's needed, but you don't go one on one. And it's just what I yeah, it's just very controversial. But the short answer is absolutely not. You're going to have to learn how to do it some other way. Exactly. So we have, I would so say, I would say... you buy a big teddy bear and you hug a big teddy bear. We've got clients doing that, and they feel amazing. They buy a five foot tall teddy bear, and believe me, it works. There are so many other ways to do it. Do not go to another person, even if it's you're saying you're a woman and going to a woman therapist. Just those levels are many warning it's, signs. Just they're no-nos. I would say that it's op- it can be uh, open a big, big uh, Pandora box. That's uh, right, especially I, when you're writing yes. that they're not so licensed and stuff like that. It's just a lot that needs to be aware of mistakes that can happen, and it's a major no-no in the therapy world. There are a lot of other stuff we can do, but uh, so again. In the Gaisha world, a hello, a shake of the hands, a little like that hug, that's it. Nah, nothing more than that. Anything, if you need more, then you start working it out on a professional level what to do. We always start first with the simple stuff. Color, draw, art, and uh, teddy bears, physical stuff, sometimes even live animals. They have in Israel, it's extremely popular mm-hmm. animal therapy, especially for the teens at risk. They have like farms and places. It's amazing when you can brush the horses, the cows, you take care of them, and it's a physical touching, and the animal makes sounds when you're doing it, you're taking care of them, and even with the dogs, it's a very powerful concept of using animals in the therapy process, and that's for people that never had physical touch 
or appropriate touch, things like that, animals can do it unconditionally. There's nothing under their mind when they're doing it. So there's a lot of different solutions out there, but physical to another therapist, to another person, when you're looking for that, are major no-nos. I would say that, uh, you know, concentrate on your personal li- like, li- life with, with your uh, husband or wife. Try to get, and in Israel, you, you're not missing dogs and, uh, and cats. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's a lot of, yes. <laughs> okay. So, Mordechai, and another, another issue, we have, uh, a, you know, a big, uh, you know, event that coming to all United States. It's uh, not talking shul. And uh, this is something that uh, Jay was very proud to announce that it's in Parashat Shoftim. Next week will be like uh, wide all over over America. The it's nationwide Shabbats of no talking in shul and right across the joint and making history on Shabbat Parashat Shoftim. Hopefully it's every Shabbat and every day it will be September uh, 10, 9, 10, thousand of people across the USA will September join. September 10, talking about this Shabbat coming up, yes, there's yes. no talking in shul. Yes, and this is, will be the yard of uh, the Stosfot Yom, uh, Yom Tov, that he was Mechaber of Mishi Berach, blessing uh, those who keep quiet and shul. Ah, yes. And uh, I would say that uh, and people, if you want to get blessing also, you can just, uh, if you t- take upon yourself, not talking shul, you can just uh, r- write, you send your name to a uh, filot and the outside. Uh, the, the email is stop, stop the talking at gmail.com, stop the talking at gmail.com, and you can send the name uh, for any any uh, blessings that you need, and that's that's uh, basically uh, the all. We're really proud to to announce it. And Mordechai, again, wow. thank you very much. You're welcome. And of Simchos and Mazel Tov. Amen. Amen. Where you're going to. Thank you. Good night and to all our dear listeners. Sure. Bye.